Welcome to the Meg's Podcast. I'm Megan Coleman. And I'm Meg Grievous. We're two sister-in-laws with two opposite personalities living in two different states. But we're here with one goal, to encourage you through our honest and funny conversations about the important and not so important things in life. Because we believe today is a perfect day to laugh with someone. Today's episode is going to be not as lighthearted. We do like to have lots of fun and laugh, but today we're going to be talking about something really important. You know, we've said from the beginning that we would be sharing with you guys about some of the important and not so important things in life. And this episode today is something really, really important. Our family has experienced some grief um, during the holiday season, and Megan's going to be sharing more about that. So we just appreciate you guys kind of even tuning in to this really important episode. So Megan, do you want to kind of walk them through what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, our story. Yeah. So, um, this, this is a good one, Meg. I'm really glad that we're talking about this because the reality is that in the holiday season, as happy and warm and fuzzy of a feeling that we often get in December, it can be really sad for some people. And that's something that our family has experienced and every year continues to experience. So some people may not know, but we have a son Bennett who was diagnosed with cancer. He was 17 months old and he was diagnosed with cancer on December 22nd in 2013. So we are like smack dab in the holiday season at that point. Right. And so here our family was really enjoying this great time and we were getting gifts ready and shopping and all of that. And then this happens. And so I want to take a little bit of time to talk about specifically his story and just the unraveling of all of that in the holiday season. But then also at the end, I really want to share with um, our listeners some tangible things that we have done as a family that have kind of helped us through these grieving times and in the Christmas season, because it always comes back up and it always gets really hard at Christmas. And then I also want to share if you know somebody who's going through something hard. I mean, the reality is this has been a hard season and a hard year for a lot of families. And so I want to also just share a couple ideas of things that you can do for somebody that uh, might be hurting or things that we've done uh, for people. That's just a great way of loving on everybody. So, all right, you ready? I think, you know, I, I've known this episode was coming up and um, obviously we, we've shared this story, heard this story hundreds, thousands of times, Um, but grab your tissues. (laughs) I'm, (laughs) I'm a crier. I will try not to ugly cry throughout this. And I'm really going to kind of shut up and just it's Megan is being so brave today just mm, to sweet. share because um, it is hard. So I'm going to just kind of take a back seat and let you share um, your heart and Bennett's story. I love hearing it. I will be silently crying in the background. Yes. But if you have something to say, I want you to say it because you have a different perspective than I do, right? I'm I'm the mom, mama perspective and you're the aunt and other family perspective that, you know, you have, which is different. So, okay. So back in 2013, we had um, 
my gosh, Davis was five. My daughter Reed was three. And then Bennett, he was not quite two. He was 17 months old. And we started um, hindsight, right? Because I, I didn't know this at the time, but looking back around the Thanksgiving season, Bennett started having some really random fevers and we didn't know what was causing it. He would have them one day and then they would be gone the next. And then um, he was also pulling his hair out a lot. And I remember going to the pediatrician and asking about it and the pediatrician just saying, you know, it can be some kind of weird habit that kids can do, just get him a lovey, you know, or whatever. But he was really like pulling his hair out. Hindsight is, I think that that was his way of dealing with the pain that he was feeling, but he was only, you know, 16 months at that time. He didn't know how to even talk. Uh, I think you could say mama, you know, or dada. Um, But we started noticing in December when we were laying him down for diaper changes that his um, belly, his belly area was extending out. And so that was a little concerning to us of what's going on. And then we would start feeling around and it was really, really, I mean, hard. His stomach was hard as a rock and it was just getting more and more extended. So on December 22nd, it was actually a Sunday. um, We were at church and I had a friend of mine who's a nurse. She was, I was asking her about it and she said, you know what? You should probably just go to like an aftercare place, right? Like if somebody's sick, just go get it checked out to be sure. Well, I went, Ben went home with our big kids and I went to the aftercare place with Bennett. And I mean, Meg, the line was, it was like a two hour wait. It was intense. And I filled out all the paperwork and in five minutes they called us back. And they said, let me, let me look at Bennett real quick. And they felt around on his abdomen and they said, you just need to go straight to the ER, like go get some imaging done. We can't do that here. And we don't want you to wait. So, so grateful, you know, that they didn't make me wait two hours to, um, to be seen. And so we went straight over to the hospital and it was just me and Bennett at this time. And they were doing, uh, various scans and the nurse, I am so, so grateful for her. She, um, she knew the news that we were going to get about Bennett having cancer before I did. And she knew I was there alone with Bennett. And so she um, talked to me and she knew me from our church. Um, and she said, hey, uh, what is, what's Ben doing right now? And I was like, oh, he's back at home with the other kids. You know, I, we're just here making sure everything's okay with Bennett. And she said, you know what? You don't need to be here alone. Like, why don't you see if somebody can take your other kids so he can be here with you? And I thought, yeah, you're right. We have been here for for a while. And I'm just so thankful in that moment that she thought to tell me that so I wouldn't be getting this news by myself. And so I called Ben and he found somebody to take the big kids and he started driving to the hospital and he was just praying. He just kind of had this feeling and he was praying and he really felt like in that moment, God told him that Bennett had cancer. And so he was walking into the situation kind of expecting bad news where I'm still at the hospital holding Bennett and just thinking everything's fine. I am playing the optimistic card here. There's no way our family would ever have anything really bad happen to us. Like, how could that be? And then Ben gets there and the 
doctor comes to us and he says, Hey, I need to talk to you guys for a minute. Let's go to this other room. So, parents, this is your warning. It's not ever a good sign if a doctor in the ER comes to you and pulls you away and puts you in this small little room to talk to you. And I still had no idea what was going on. And we sat down and he said, "Um, Listen, I need to tell you that your son has cancer. And I was like, cancer? What do you mean he has cancer? And he said, he has a tumor on his liver the size of an orange. So here's my 17-month-old baby, Bennett, and he's little, right? He's really small, and he has this tumor on his liver. They were pretty pretty certain that it was a different type of cancer than he actually had, They admitted us into the hospital. So this is December 22nd. And um, my parents, you know, drive in town because we're living in Louisiana at this point and we need help with our other kids. And so we're at the hospital and we just, we weren't quite sure what we were going to do. And we had many people come to us over the next 24 hours and talk to us about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And I knew about the hospital, but I didn't know all the ins and outs of it. I just hadn't really interacted with them a whole lot. And so we decided that we wanted to admit Bennett at St. Jude, but we weren't really quite sure how to do that. And one of my uh, sorority sisters from college, she used to work there. And so I reached out to her and I mean, she had me on the phone with the head of solid tumor within a day. And we were admitted into the hospital uh, officially, you know, uh, they had to talk to our pediatrician and everything. And we were admitted, but we couldn't fly there on until December 26th. And so we checked Bennett out of the uh, hospital on the 23rd and we went back home and we had Christmas. And I am so thankful for those few days because it was our only Christmas (laughs) already. People haven't heard from me because I'm already like, Megan, I'm making it probably hard for Megan to talk because she's looking at me across the camera and I am already just sobbing. I can't imagine what that Christmas, what was that like? Yeah, that was, um, it was a little surreal. And I, you know, one thing that is miraculous and in and of itself, that is the only Christmas I have had all of my shopping done and presents wrapped before Christmas Eve night. And this was the year that I did. So I wasn't scrambling in those last few days before Christmas morning, trying to finish shopping and all of that. I literally was just sitting there with Bennett, playing with him. We were having fun as a family and we got up Christmas morning. And that's where a lot of my pictures and videos, and I'm so grateful because we had that time um, as a family with him. And then um, on December 26th, we got up and we flew to 
Memphis. We flew all the way to Memphis to St. Jude. And um, gosh, because it was the holidays, we sort of got bounced around a little bit. Like we started with one doctor and then we ended up with another doctor, Dr. Sarah. And she, um, gosh, she's my hero. I love that woman. She loved on our family so deeply in that time. But we got to St. Jude and they did a bunch of tests and it was not the cancer that the original hospital told us and thought that it would, would be, it was, um, it was a lot worse actually. So it took them over a week to figure out what type of cancer Bennett had. And when Dr. Sarah finally figured it out, she pulled us into a room again, whenever you get pulled into a room with a doctor, it's not always good news. The worst. The worst. And yeah, we got pulled into the room with her and she said, um, this is the last cancer that I wanted this to be. And she said, it's, um, it's, it's very aggressive and, um, it, you know, doesn't have great statistics. And if you want me to share that with you, I will, but if you don't want me to, I won't. And we were like, no, we don't want to hear that. And I still to this day have never Googled his type of um, tumor because I don't want to see what it says because I know it says really bad things. And well, so me and Christy have me and my, and I'm sure Amy, I'm sure our whole family has Googled it. And to this day, um, when you do Google it, um, because it is so, so rare and they know so little about it, Bennett's name is one of the only things that comes up regarding that yeah. type of cancer. So. so he, by the time they figured out what it was, which is only about a week after we were admitted at St. Jude, they, the tumor had already grown from the size of an orange to a grapefruit. And so you guys have to remember, like, this is a 17 month old baby. Like he's small and his, this thing is like taking over his abdomen. And unfortunately, because of the size of it, they couldn't do surgery right away because, um, it, there was an artery that it was like totally surrounding. And so they couldn't go in and take the tumor out because it would mess with the artery. So it was, um, and also what was super heartbreaking is that when we were at St. Jude, they had a lot better technology and their imaging was a lot stronger and they were able to discover that it had spread to his lungs. He only had a couple little spots of the cancer on his lungs, but it was there. And so Dr. Sarah said, listen, this is so bad. Like we have to start this right now. Like chemo starts tonight. And so they hooked him up to his first round of chemo. And um, I remember sitting there in the room and just like, we literally prayed over the bag of chemo and just praying that it would work and that it would heal him. And that's what we did for four months is that we just... It's okay. I know we're all crying. Like, <laughs> we just, like you said, we prayed over like the amount of praying that we prayed over the baby and yeah. the, um, you guys, the doctors, you know, everybody that was involved. I'm sorry. I told you this episode <laughs> would be, this episode would be so hard, but I really, I hope anybody that's listening, you know, that's what we, it's real life. We wanted yeah. to bring 
you know, this part of the story. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I will stop interrupting. No, I, I appreciate it. Cause it helps me kind of get myself back together. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, so yeah, for four months we battled this, um, this cancer and this tumor. And we were able with radiation, we were able to get the, um, tumor to shrink a little bit on his liver, but we could not touch what was going on with his lungs. Every scan he had, it got worse and worse and worse. And, um, that ultimately is what killed him is just the tumors on his lungs and no chemo was doing anything. And so the part about the cancer that he had, the type that he had is that it, um, if you go into remission, it it's like a hundred percent that it comes back and it always comes back worse. And so for us, we really feel like we just prayed Bennett to heaven faster um, because he didn't have to go through that. You know, he didn't have to go through the going into remission and then getting sick again and then having it be worse. And so it was a really short journey. It was only four months and, um, and then, um, you know, he passed away and tell me uh, if you can, if you can talk about those last kind of few days, like just as a family, you know, some special moments or what that looked like. So we, um, I remember Ben making the call to all of you guys, you know, I think, I think he talked to Logan maybe. Um, and my dad, was it your dad? My dad called me. I was at work. Logan was out of town. And, um, I don't even know that you know this. I don't even know that I've told you cause I didn't want to, I don't ever want to like upset you or bring up whatever. Right. Cause what you went through is so much worse than any of us went through. But, um, I was at work and I remember just collapsing, like my dad just saying, you know, it's not good. The last scans weren't good. And, um, at that time, I think they were giving him, um, weeks to Mm -hmm. a month. And, um, it was days. I literally fell on the floor and I just had a gut feeling. Um, I, uh, went home I left my office and my, the ladies at the office were so sweet. They all just held me and let me, I mean, I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and they sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And, um, I went home and I remember calling, um, Logan and I said, um, I'm not waiting one more minute. I'm packing my bags and I'm going up there to Memphis now. And he was like, no, we need to think through this. Let's plan. And, um, he said, it's the way I said it. And I said, I'm going now. (laughs) And I just, there was something in my gut. I just knew. And I talked to Christy and our older sister. I said, I'm going now. Whoever wants to come with me can go now with me. Whoever wants to wait can wait. And, um, I talked to my parents and I think everybody was still at the point of shock and also just trying to gather as much information. Right. And I'm, y'all know me. I'm never that way. I react like pretty instinctively on my emotions. And, um, so they were kind of waiting a day or two before they went up and they wanted to hear a little bit more news. And I was like running a car. I was packing my bags. I was running a car. I wasn't going to wait another minute and thank God, like I know, and Meg, that's what I'm so thankful for because um, they told us it was probably going to be a week, you know, that we might have a week with him, but we had, I mean, it was barely 48 hours by the time they told us, and so 
what happened? You know, we told all the family, I think, you know, you kind of rallied the troops and everybody got in their cars and they started heading to Memphis. And I'm so thankful because at that point we were at, at home, we had a, an apartment on Mud Island that somebody had gotten for us so we could be there with him, you know, in those four months. And we, um, we had him at home and we had that first night was awful. Like he was just in so much pain. Like it was just, he had been so happy and joyful the whole four months during all the radiation, all of the chemo. I mean, it honestly was blowing our minds. And I think that that's where, um, the prayer really just covered him, you know, and, um, cause he, he was still playing with his brother and sister and obviously it was getting harder and harder. But that, that one night when we got the bad news at St. Jude and then we went home and they told us that it was time to put him on hospice and they came and they brought a couple pain, you know, medicine things for him, but we were up all night long with him. And so St. Jude said, listen, just come admit him and we will just be, you can be in the hospital instead of having to do this at your apartment with the other kids. And so uh, by the time we're getting into the hospital, that's when you guys are all showing up at St. Jude. And Ben, if he were sitting here telling this story, he would tell you how he prayed for just one more good day with him, like one more good moment with him. And we got that. Like, like I can't even hold it together. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sobbing because it's so true. Like, we had such a good day, like the whole family and just. We were all there. All the cousins were there. And uh, St. Jude has this cafe. My girls remember. Oh, yeah. And we have, St. Jude has this cafe. And you guys all kind of got there at the same time. And we brought Bennett down. He, um, we finally got his pain stabilized because he was in a lot of pain. And we got his pain stabilized. And we brought him down to the cafe. And oh my gosh, I remember this so much. It was, it was so fun. He wanted, everybody wanted ice cream, right? Everybody um, was picking out like all their little ice cream bars and stuff. And Bennett wanted all of their ice cream. All, like he <laughs> give me give me all of the ice he, cream. We have a picture of him like holding one in each hand and like a couple in front of him. Um he and it's, Lo- Logan kept saying, You just give him whatever he wants, like whatever he wants, I'll his, buy you more ice cream. <laughs> his uncle Logan, and that's one of Logan's favorite stories. So my husband Logan, he would have bought him the whole cafe that day, like <laughs> He, uh, you want an ice cream truck? Great. We'll get you an ice cream truck, buddy. But he kept pointing over to the ice cream little um, freezer and yeah. wanting to try all of them. And I don't know how many times Logan went back and got them. And he finally just told the cafe lady, like, stop checking me out. I'll just write you whatever I need <laughs> to write you at the end of this. Like, we'll take care of. And St. Jude was great. I don't think they even. No, they was, were amazing. It was like, whatever you guys need, whatever yeah. you want. But we have the sweetest you have those pictures too. Uh, yeah. And there it's all the cousins with all their ice cream. And then Bennett has like five ice creams in front of him that he's stolen from all of his cousins. <laughs> and it was, it was precious. And I think for me, that was our, that was our last great moment, you know, with him and the family. And then he just wasn't eating a lot at that point. And so just the fact that he wanted to eat something, I didn't care that it was ice cream. Like, it was just sweet. And then we went back into the room and he had a really hard another night. Um, we had to change up even more of his pain meds because it was 
um, I mean, it was just bad. And so, um, then it was that next day where Dr. Sarah told us, she was like, listen, I don't think it's going to be much longer. And so we spent that whole day in his room as a family. I mean, my parents flew in. Um, my mom lives in Ohio. She flew in. I mean, from Ohio, we got her there like at the very last minute. And um, we were, I remember all day long, we just sat in that room and I held him. Man, I don't think I went to the bathroom for like 12 hours because I didn't want to stop holding him. And we just sat there and held him. And I remember we sang over him and we told stories. Um, that was just a... That I was really a, remember like the sweet moments. Like I walked in at one point because we the kids were up at the hospital too, but kind of playing in some of their play areas and stuff. And so we were kind of taking shifts, kind of watching the kids and the cousins and then going in to catch some moments with you and... Ben and Bennett. And, um, I remember walking in at one moment and, um, oh my gosh, sorry. I'm the crier. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> I know I'm the crier in the family. And, uh, I just heard you and Ben and y'all were just talking to him about Jesus. So he would know. So he wouldn't be scared. So he wouldn't be scared. So he would know who Jesus was and what heaven was. And it was just like the sweetest little thing that I like have, it will forever be etched in my memory. And, um, you know, it's like gut wrenching, like the heartache and, you know, um, Audrey, my oldest was in, um, at the time she was in first or second grade. Yeah. And, um, picking her up from school and literally telling her, hey, we're leaving on the road right now and here's why and what's going on. And we hadn't really talked to her yet about, you know, what death was and losing a loved one. And just like hearing the gut-wrenching cries from her, like from like, her pit of her stomach and her saying, you know, there's always going to be a hole, mama. Like there will be a hole in our family. And, yep. but we quickly followed that up with, I know it will feel that way, but you know, and she would say to us, you know, we don't know where he's at. And we knew all the answers. I was so grateful. You know, there won't be a hole, you know, because of re- our faith, right. we know exactly where he is. And, and we know that, you know, thank goodness, God is a whole filler. And that's right. Um, and I remember when um when we were the morning we were driving Bennett to St. Jude to officially admit him because he was just in so much pain. I mean, we had a five minute drive from our apartment to St. Jude. And I'm like losing it in the front seat because I know that we're not bringing him home. Right. And so we're driving him there. And Davis, he's five at the time, and he said, he said, mom, it's okay. Like God is going to heal Bennett. He's either going to heal him here and he's going to get to stay with us or he's going to be healed by going to heaven. And like, that's my (laughs) five-year-old, right? Saying that. And I'm so grateful that, um, that he spoke that 
to me, Davis, you know, that's that God used him to speak that to me and remind me that we did not get our healing here that we wanted, but he's healed in heaven. And gosh, I, I think God used Davis more than anyone for me in that time. Do you remember when he walked into the room? Um, (laughs) it, It just, it, I think it speaks of, you know, that there can be funny and laughter things, even in the darkest of darkest hours. And this is a, like, it's kind of a dark humor. (laughs) It is. Okay. So we were in the room. It's like, you know, the 10th hour or whatever of holding Bennett straight and it's getting later at night and the kids, St. Jude did an amazing job of having a room, you know, for all the kids to hang out and play in. And cause they couldn't be that serious for that long in the room with us. And, um, but they were also going to be going back to their hotels and rooms soon. Cause it was just getting late. And, um, so we were holding Bennett and at this point he's, um, you know, he's not aware of anything. We're just holding him. And Davis walks into the hospital room and he looks at me and he looks at Ben and he goes, is he dead yet? (laughs) And everybody in the room went, (gasps) Logan grabbed him. Uncle Logan grabbed him up so fast and like ran him out of the room. Like Logan was like, Oh my gosh, buddy, you can't say that. <laughs> yeah, but I am so thankful for that because we laughed. Like, we all laughed. We all laughed. And it was just like the medicine that we needed, right? In that moment of just heartache and pain, is that God brought him in there and did and said that. And then it was a little bit later, he came in again. But I think at this time he knew that he said something he shouldn't have said before. And so when he walked in and he opened the door, he said nothing, but he kind of just put his arms kind of open like, has it well, happened yet? Well, is he, where are we? here? <laughs> so we didn't say anything, but he had his hands, you know, up like a question of what's going on, you know? <laughs> and we were like, no, bud, it hasn't happened yet. And, um, but it was, I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful for that. And I actually don't even know if we shared that with Davis yet. There's some things that we haven't told the kid, the older yeah. kids yet until they can really appreciate, you know, how God used them in those moments. And, um, and you know, we, me and Christy and Amy have a really funny story of leaving the hospital that night. I'm not going to share it today um, because I'm sure we will revisit this topic. It's such a huge part of our family's story, but I'll share our little funny story. But we even laugh about, you know, literally in the midst of one of our family's like darkest of moments, being able to like just find humor and yeah. something and joy and something and laugh together. And um, so I, I know that, um, oh gosh, Megan, I'm going to cry again. Like I have always been incredibly honored and just really felt grateful that you allowed all the family to be, be there that night and just to be able to say our goodbyes and, um, walk through that with you guys. Like, I am so thankful. Like it's, it's something that I won't ever forget. I hope that no family ever has to walk through that, but I really, you and Ben always handled it. I mean, always the whole 
the whole time, the whole process, um, y'all handled everything with so much grace and love. Even for us, like recognizing that us as the extended family, we were hurting too. And um, I just applaud you guys and thank y'all for letting us be a part of that whole journey. Like We couldn't have done it without you guys there. I don't think Bennett would have wanted it without you guys there. All his cousins and aunts and uncles, like... I will forever remember just that time in the, you know, the hospital room, um, that last day he ended up, he ended up passing away, um, early into the morning, of uh, the next day it was like, I don't know, one fifteen, two in the morning or something like that. And we were all still there <laughs> except for the kids. They had gone back, but most of us were still there. And, um, the nurses were just amazing and loving on us and, um, yeah, St. Jude is a, it's a special place. It's a really special place. And, um, something that a lot of people don't know about St. Jude is just the fact that like, we never paid for anything there. Not one yeah. thing. I mean, even our hospital bill that we would have had in Louisiana, like when Bennett was first diagnosed, we didn't even see that bill. Like we saw nothing and they take, take, took care of our, I mean, our food, you know, we had housing there, all of Bennett's treatments. Um, they, they're phenomenal in the way that they love families and not just the kids that are sick, but my other kids, you know, they always had activities in the hallway for Davis and Reed. And man, I remember, you know, the just, target house. Yeah. The, the target ones. house. And they had all, oh gosh, so many different things. And it was just, they do it right. They do it right. They, I would agree. They definitely have, this is how healthcare, well, and I won't get on a whole soapbox. <laughs> you're right. They are doing something right there. And it, they were such a blessing. And again, in future episodes, we will talk more in depth about, um, St. Jude and in the hospital and um, his care and stuff. I would love for our listeners to know too, just so in the following months and especially kind of re-approaching that Christmas season after he passed away, um, you know, like what did, what did grieving look like? Like what did, how did y'all what did that look like for you? What did it look like for Ben? Like, how did y'all do Christmas the next year? So something about grief that, um, I think everybody, if they haven't gone through something hard, then they probably won't know this, but if they have, then then they're going to understand that it's a fingerprint and it looks very different for everybody. How Ben grieved as a dad was very different and still is different than how I grieve as mom, how my kids grieve. You know, my son Davis grieves the death of his brother differently than my daughter does because she still has a sister and a brother where he doesn't have a brother here anymore. And so I think um, one of the things to remember is that there's no like cookie cutter way of grieving. Um, Yes, they tell you that, you know, you go through all the stages of grief, but there's very sporadic and they can be heightened in one way for someone and not in another. And you can stay in one stage longer than you might with somebody else, you know, so it's really, truly a fingerprint. And another thing that I remember hearing that, um, 
is a really good way to look at it is that when you lose somebody so close to you, it's like you're wearing a full body cast. It's like you just can't move. You can't do the things that you would normally do. You're just, you're broken. Like your body, your whole self, like inside and outside is broken and it has this cast on it. And so that's how, especially that first year I really operated in my grief was just not being able to do a lot of the things that I normally would do. So when the holidays came around, when Christmas came around my first year after he passed away, that's his diagnosis day, right? December 22nd. So that I think makes it even a little bit more tender for me is because that's when the beginning of our story is, is at Christmas. And that that really stinks that we have... Um, those overlapping each other. But probably one of the hardest things was our stockings, Um, you know, because we had a stocking for Davis, Reed, and Bennett, and now I had nothing to fill in Bennett's. And so we got a little creative. Um, We wanted to... um, we wanted to involve the kids in some way. And so that very first year, we actually challenged Davis and Reed that any kind of extra chore or extra thing they did that above and beyond just, you know, normal life, we would give them a dollar and they put it inside Bennett's stocking. And so for the whole month of December, we just shoved dollar bills in Bennett's stocking and the kids got really into it and his stocking looked full, you know, and then after Christmas, we took all of that cash and we donated it to St. Jude in Bennett's honor. And so that was just a way of us um, doing something in the holidays, even when it was really hard and trying to turn it around. Um and think of it in a positive way, I'm so thankful that I have had Davis and Reed because I know that there are a lot of people who experience loss of an only child or a first child, and they don't have other children um, that they can focus on. And so I'm really grateful that I had that. And so for me, that was uh, something that I did. And it's funny, Meg, because that tradition um, has even changed a little bit in our family. We did the dollar and Bennett stocking for a, a handful of years. And then last year I switched it up a little and we, um, you know, usually have the stockings hanging on the banister because I'm scared they're going to like light on fire <laughs> on the <laughs> fireplace and that we're going to burn the house down at Christmas. And so I put them on the banister, but this year, um, what I did is I took Bennett's and I folded it up and I kind of just put it under the Christmas tree. And so I could see it under the Christmas tree. Cause I think what was so sad for me is that I never got to really fill his with toys. Right. And so on Christmas morning or I guess Christmas Eve and I'm shoving things into stockings. Um, I wasn't able to shove anything into Bennett's that I wanted to. I mean, we did the dollar thing and that was fun, but it was still really hard. And so last year I took a stocking and I just folded it up. And then on Christmas Eve night, I took the kids stockings down and I put all the good stuff in it and I put it under the Christmas tree next to Bennett's folded. And so that way they were kind of all still there, but his didn't seem like void and empty. Right. And, um, and so that's something that, you know, I guess it, things just change, you know, as you're grieving the first year is very different than grieving the sixth year, you know, and, 
but I'm still looking. It's still hard. This uh, oh, Christmas. Yeah. Christmas is one of my hardest seasons by far. I think that it's it's almost harder for me than actually celebrating as heaven birthday in April. Christmas is just like it's the reminder of family time and it's you're buying all the gifts for all the people and it's just this reminder that I don't have him to buy things for. And so um, I would say that that's probably the hardest thing in the holidays of just, especially if you lose somebody that is in your immediate family and um, a spouse, a child, you know, whatever that looks like, that that's probably one of just those voids that you you know, you feel more than ever. And so something that we do um, as a family to kind of help us also get through the holiday season, um, we started this a few years ago, is I always pray that I will come across a family who um, is hurting, whether it's the death of a loved one or something else. And we wrap their Christmas gifts for them. <laughs> I love that. So we, um, a couple years ago, I met this mom and her mother had just passed away at the Thanksgiving time. And she had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And she was just like in the the thick of the grief. And when you're grieving, you just can't do anything normal. And so I had her over one morning for coffee and I sat down with my Amazon prime open and we picked out all of her two and four year olds Christmas gifts. And we had them sent directly to my house and my kids and I, we wrapped all of the gifts for them and we made Santa's cookies and we delivered it on Christmas Eve night. And all she had to do was put it under the Christmas tree because I knew it, what it, what it was like to um, how hard it is to do, do that in the holidays when you're hurting so much. You know, um, I like absolutely love that. And um, I can't wait to even kind of start thinking through, you know, how we're going to do that as a family. Who can we love on? Something else that you've mentioned to me, because I've heard the story a bunch of different times and I just wanted our listeners to hear it too, is um, receiving Christmas cards in the mail Yes, and seeing all the family pictures and stuff. And what was your sweetest one that you got? Yeah. So, um, I, you know, a lot of people listening, they might not be going through something hard right now, but they might know somebody who's going through something hard, right? This has been a hard year for a lot of people, loss of a job, loss of a loved one, um, all the above. And so, uh, something that you can do for somebody, think about the holidays. What does everybody do? They are always sending the Christmas cards, right? With their pictures of their families in the mail and stuff like that. That was probably the hardest thing that I had to go through that first Christmas without Bennett is because, and I knew it wasn't intentional from any of our friends. We're just on their mailing list, just like we you know, would be every year. But to have lost a son and then to have opened my mailbox every day in December and received pictures of everybody else's families and kids really sucked. <laughs> like it was terrible. Yeah. And so if you know somebody that's going through something hard, the like one of the best things that I can tell you to do is um, even if you've already sent your Christmas cards, because you probably have, and that's okay, but there is still time for you to buy a card, make a card, whatever, and to write them a handwritten note. I got a note in the mail from one of the secretaries at our church 
And I still, it is a one note that I still have. It is my absolute favorite. And she just in the, in the note just told me, I know that this year is hard and I'm so sorry that Bennett's not there with you. He is loved and he is cared for. And I am praying over you and your family this season. Um, I mean, it is still one of my favorite things I've ever received. And that I needed more in that moment, in that first Christmas than anything else. Just for somebody to recognize like, this sucks. Like, yeah. And it's hard and it's okay. And we just want you to know we remember Bennett. We remember you guys and we're thinking of you. And it's yeah, just I think the, a lot of people thought. get scared of bringing, a, bringing a, the name up, but I will be honest with you. One of my favorite things is to talk about him. And so even, so if you know somebody who's grieving and grieving a loss of a loved one, like don't hesitate talking to them about it because something that's so good for our heart is actually talking about them and sharing our stories. And so maybe you write a a letter to them or note to them about your favorite story with the person that they lost. Like, can you imagine how meaningful that would be? Cause it's, it's realizing that they're remembered and they're not yeah. forgotten because that's probably the hardest thing in grieving is that after a couple months, you know, you're loved on deeply those first few months and people bring you meals and, you know, gosh, we had to have a whole freezer bought. Like there was one of the small groups that <laughs> bought us a whole freezer because we didn't have enough room for all the meals we had received. Um, but then it gets quiet, you know, by yeah. mo- month two, it gets really quiet because naturally everybody kind of moves on and does their own thing while you're still really sitting in your, you know, puddle of sadness and grief. And so even just talking about them brings healing to the person that's lost someone. I think that's, you know, super important just as we roll into these this month and it's hard on people who have lost loved ones like don't be afraid to talk to them send them a note and i think meg the other thing that i would encourage people is a great way to love on somebody that's grieving is to be very specific in the way that you love on them so it's really a natural thing where for us, if, if we know somebody that's going through something hard you know we might call or text them and say oh my goodness let me know what you need I can't think they can't think. Remember they're in a full body cast. Like nothing is working. Their mind. Everything's foggy. Everything's foggy. I don't even remember very well that whole first year after Bennett died. It's very like pieces of information for me. And so I would say be specific in how you help them. So instead of texting and saying, Hey, let me know if you need something, I'm praying for you text and say, I'm on my way to the grocery store right now. I'm picking you up some stuff like strawberries and blueberries and milk. What else do you need? And so it's a very tangible thing of I am already doing this and I am, I'm just going to like wrap you into it and do it for you. Or I'm, I'm at target. I'm grabbing a few gifts. I'm going to get some extra gifts for your kiddos or your loved one or whoever. Just drop it at your door. So it's done. You don't have to even worry about shopping. Like I loved how you sat down with that mom at your table and you just took care of it for. Yeah. I just opened up Amazon and like, we're just going to pile this into my Amazon, you know, cart and order it. And it's coming right to me. Like you don't even have to see it. And so that was a tangible, like real thing, not, Oh, let me know what you need. Cause she, in that moment, she didn't even know what she needed. 
Nobody that's going through deep grief knows. It's so Mm -hmm. hard to, like you said, you're just in this haze, in this fog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I know this was a hard episode and like just you're really brave to even like talk about it. But I hope that everybody that's listening out there knows, you know, we do, our heart is to want to share life with you and talk about the good and the hard and the important and the not so important stuff. And um, so Megan, we just thank you for being so brave and gracious and sharing about Bennett's story. And for our listeners out there, we do have um, a really incredible video that Ben and Megan have done. So you can check out our website for that video. Um, And it just shares a little bit more in depth about Bennett's journey and uh, St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. We'll have a link there for you too. If, If you feel like, hey, I'm looking for a place to give or do something, um, this hospital's doing amazing things. So we'll have the link to the hospital and ways to give back to St. Jude there as well. Um, but we just, we love you, Megan. Thanks for letting me share my baby. I'll talk about him all day long if you let me. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for again, listening and subscribing. 